Let's bow our hearts as we prepare uh, to uh, look into the Word of God today as we take a look at the vast love of Christ for us. So let's pray. Father, Lord, we just ask that uh, in these moments we have together this morning, that your spirit would open our eyes, uh, open our hearts uh, to receive your word. Uh, Lord, that we know your word does not return void, that it is truth, uh, that it has something for each and every one of us here this morning. Uh, Father, Lord, I ask that you would, uh, through your spirit, uh, speak through me as a a willing vessel uh, so that your truth can go forth this morning. Uh, and that you would challenge each and every one of us uh, to grow as a result of it, uh, to be truly in all of the vast love that you do have for us, something that we should not just take for granted, something we should not look at through the lens of this world, um, but look at it through the lens of Scripture uh, so that we can see uh, just how amazing, how awesome, uh, how gracious you are uh, in your love for us through Christ. And so, Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, if you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter 3. And uh, today, uh, our main text is actually going to be verse uh, 18, uh, as we uh, take a look at, uh, as I mentioned last time, uh, this spiritual uh, geometry, uh, as it is, uh, that we have, uh, that Paul has uh, shown to us. Uh, And I'd like to go ahead and just read the context in here because of it being one long sentence. It's nice to back up a few uh, phrases here so we get a full picture of what is introducing as well as what's coming after uh, this particular verse 18. So I'll begin by reading verse uh, 17 of chapter 3. It says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, as I've mentioned uh, last Sunday, uh, you know, this is a a three-part section here uh, entitled The Vast Love of Christ for Us. Uh, And as we take a look at verse 18, as we consider this breadth, length, height, and depth of Christ's love for us, I wanted you to see that this is not just a standalone instance where we find this spiritual geometry or this dimensional kind of language being utilized. Uh, Matter of fact, in Psalm 103, uh, verse 11 and 12, it has some of the same language here to give an idea so that we can begin to understand, you know, the, the scope of what is being mentioned. It says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth... So great is his steadfast love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. And so we see here some of that dimensional language. We, we see as high as the heavens above the earth or as far as the east is from the west. Uh, for us to begin to understand, you know, as we even think about the east from the west as a dimensional language, you know, you can travel east uh, inf- infinitely. Can travel west infinitely. So as far as the east is from the west, you know, there, there is no point of contact. It, it has uh, no uh, touch with, you know, the other uh, portion of that d- direction. Uh, and so that east and west is, is helping you to, to quantify, but in the same time helping you see that you can't quantify it. Uh, it is something that, uh, you know, as we think as high as the heavens are above the earth. 
You know, man might be able to me- measure the heavens, you know, but what are we talking about here? The highest heavens where God dwells, uh, you know, and to think about where that uh, would be. Uh, and the fact that God is everywhere. So, you know, we, we think about uh, these words that in our finite mind and understanding, we, we're trying to grasp a, an eternal concept, something that is infinite in nature. Uh, and so it sometimes is hard for us to, to, to quantify that. And so what Paul is doing here is using some of this same dimensional language, this description for us to begin to understand the scope or just how vast Christ's love is for us. Uh, and so I'd like to begin as we think about uh, that very first aspect, as it says uh, there in verse 18, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth. Uh, and we'll, we'll take a look at that breadth of Christ's love. And I'd like you to turn to Galatians chapter 3. Uh, and some of these you're going to see are Pauline uh, in nature, where Paul is actually utilizing a description here to actually speak to the breadth uh, of Christ's love or in some of the other aspects that we find ourselves looking at this morning. But Galatians chapter 3, and we've uh, taken a look at this multiple times as we've looked through the book of Ephesians, but verses 26 to 28 tell us the breadth of Christ's love for us. It says there in verse uh, 26 of chapter 3, For in Christ you are all sons of God through faith. For as many as of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. And so this passage here that's speaking in relation to contextually salvation itself to show us that we are all sinners in need of a Savior, uh, that there is no sense in which when Christ died on the cross and when Christ shed his blood and when he showed his love in that way in obedience to death on the cross, is there any measure in which uh, you know, there is an edge by any one of us in relation to God? We are all one even playing field when it comes to our sin and in relation to Christ's love for us. Uh, that's why it says, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ and have put on Christ. You know, you are now clothed in righteousness that is not your own uh, because of the love of Christ for you, because of faith and trust in Christ. So when we talk about the breadth of Christ's love for us, it is wide enough to save both Jews and Gentiles. We've taken a look at that in the book of Ephesians. Uh, that it does not matter whether you are Jew or Gentile because you're one or the other uh, when we think of people groups because Jews were God's chosen people uh, that he chose not because of their strength or their number but because of his grace and his love for them. Uh, And then everyone else is a Gentile. Uh, But we see here in relation to the breadth of Christ's love for us in Galatians 3 that, that his love is wide enough to save both Jews and Gentiles. But it's also wide enough to save male and female. So it's not gender specific. It does not, you know, save more male than female or look at male or female as the, the parameters by which Christ sheds his blood or shows his love for us. And so when we think about the breadth of Christ's love, we need to see that it's wide enough to save both male and female, uh, which that's the two genders there are, and we are either male or female. 
It's wide enough to save slave or free based on that same passage. So it doesn't matter where you are in relation to your you know, socioeconomic uh, you know, layout, whether you are someone who is under someone or you are free to, to do whatever you want. Uh, there is no uh, way in which God's love somehow you know, is shown more towards those who are free as opposed to those who are slave. Um, again, we're all in that same playing field, and Christ's love for us uh, shows us that it's wide enough no matter where we are in, in our status in this world. And I'll add another one here, um, that it's wide enough to save young and old. Uh, in you know, 25 years of ministry, I've seen you know, very young children you know, understand the gospel good news and trust Christ as their Savior. I've watched people in their latter years of life do exactly the same thing, even after years of suppressing the truth, having God, who is almighty and all-powerful, soften that heart and make it receptive for the gospel, to have Christ's love in a very vast and profound way flood their heart uh, so that they can see their need of a Savior and trust Christ. So it's wide enough to save young and old. And may I go one more and say that it is wide enough to pay for my sins and for your sins. And so if you're here today and you know Jesus Christ, then you are, you know, uh, very so realizing the fact that Christ's love is vast enough to forgive your sins. But if you're here this morning and do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, maybe you've been suppressing the truth about who Jesus is or that you need saving at all, today is a a day to understand that uh, Jesus' love for you is wide enough to even save you. And so this gives us an idea of what the breadth of Christ's love is for us. It's wide enough to save both Jews and Gentiles, male and female, slave or free, young or old, you or me. Uh, And that shows us uh, some dimension to Christ's love for us. Well, the second is that of the length of Christ's love for us. And I'm going to take you to three different passages here to give you an idea. And know as we do this, this is not exhaustive. Uh, matter of fact, as I had this sermon originally written out, uh, Michelle says you, you, you only need a couple proofs. You don't need to have the entire Bible in support. Um, and so uh, the thing is, is once you start seeing the, the, you know, this play out in the Word of God and see the cohesiveness of it, you know, there's text after text after text to, to help you see the love of Christ going all the way back to the very beginning. Uh, and so... The length of Christ's love for us. So I want you to turn over to Romans chapter 8, because this is where we'll get uh, our first uh, length of Christ's love for us. Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 35. And contextually, um, as you are turning there, um, this is uh, coming on the heels of saying that if Christ or if God is for us, then who can be against us, uh, or who shall bring a charge against God's elect? And if God offered up His one and only Son, uh, and so those are the, the the phrases that we see coming prior to these verses here. Verse thirty-five begins by saying, "Who shall separate us from the love of Christ?" And this is a good question because this speaks to the length of God's love. So it's talking about it's long enough that nothing can ever separate it or separate us from it. 
It says, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Those seem like pretty formidable foes when you think about it. You know, is it possible that there could be some type of tribulation that would separate us from Christ's love for us salvifically? Or could we be so distressed with where our world is today or where our country is today that somehow that's going to void or, you know, lessen Christ's love for us? Or is it possible that, you know, in living in a free country, all of a sudden Christianity is outlawed and we find ourselves under persecution for our faith, which we know that brothers and sisters in Christ around the world are already experiencing this because they don't have the freedom to worship. Will that separate us from the love of Christ? Or famine, where we find, you know, store shelves, you know, empty, maybe for the first time in your life in the last 40 years, you know, things being in high demand and very low supply. Or how about nakedness? Maybe you only have one uh, pair of clothes to wear, or maybe no clothes to wear. You know, if you find yourself that destitute, is somehow the love of Christ for you going to wane or you, you be separated because Christ will look at you and say, well, you, you don't even have clothes to wear or danger or sword? You know, is it possible that even death, you know, itself uh, or danger that, you know, you may experience as a result of being a believer in the world today? Are they all things that can separate you from the love of Christ? It's a good question. Well, Paul doesn't leave us hanging because he tells us in verse 36, He says, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. So he's he's putting out there that it is a reality that these things will exist. These things will happen. You know, we've been blessed where we don't see much of this in our country. But don't take that blessing for granted because that blessing may not be there tomorrow. Verse 37 says, no. In all these things, so everything that he's mentioned, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword, he says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors. So in other words, these things don't even register on God's meter when it comes to him looking at us and saying, well, that is the the grounds by which the love of Christ has a limit. No, Christ's love for us is so vast. It has a length that we can't even begin to comprehend. So much so that we are more than conquerors. Conquerors by itself is enough, right? That means we've defeated it. It says you're more than that. And why are you more than that? Because of Christ's love for you. Verse 38 goes on to say, For I am sure, so Paul is not doubting this one iota, And the thing is, as you mentioned, or as you look back at verse 35, some of those very things that he mentions are the very things that Paul himself has experienced. You take a look at what he shares in relation to what he's experienced in being a Christian. He says, I am sure. So I've lived it. I know the love of Christ. It is so vast that even these things cannot separate. And even if I find myself dying as a result of my faith in Christ, that's not going to separate me. He says, for I am sure that neither death nor life. So those are the two options that we have as created human beings, either to be alive or dead. And he says, neither death or life itself or death itself 
can separate me from the love of Christ. So it doesn't matter if you're alive and you're experiencing all those things he's mentioned or you find yourself stepping over that threshold into the, the great beyond to either eternal life or death, depending upon what you have done with Christ, that won't separate you from the love of Christ, nor angels, nor rulers. So looking heavenly up in, the, in heaven where angels are and down here on earth where rulers are. So that means that there is no ruler that will ever reign that is going to separate you from the love of Christ. It is that long in length. Nor things present, nor things to come. So here's time itself. So separating us all the way to eternity, to that which is everlasting. It says that time itself, not things that are happening to you right now, nor things that are yet to come, are going to separate you from the love of Christ nor powers, nor height, nor depth, there's that language again, nor anything else in all creation. Okay, so there's God, God Almighty, God the Father, God Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the Godhead, three in one. And outside of the Godhead, guess what? Everything else is created. So if it says, nor anything else in all of creation... And again, this is the inspired word of God. This is not just Paul's words. This is God-breathed words through Paul. So this is coming from God himself to say that, nor anything else in all of creation. So there's nothing you need to worry about. Nothing is going to separate you from the love of Christ. It is that long. Nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God in the highest. We'll be singing that. You know, that's, that's the blessing as we even think about Christmas coming. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. If you are a child of God here this morning, if you've you, repented of your sins and fallen at the foot of the cross and asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, God has you forever. It's long enough that nothing could ever separate us from it. But you would think, well, what possibly could Pastor Bill speak if nothing is left that would be speaking to the length of Christ's love? Well, I'm glad you asked. There's another example in 1 Corinthians. So turn a few pages over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Because nothing else in all of creation would include this, but I think it's worth noting. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, because Christ's love is long enough that sin cannot exhaust it. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 and following says, When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Christ's love is long enough that your sin, no matter what it may be, no matter what aspect of God's law you have transgressed, no matter how many times you've transgressed it, Christ's sacrifice is complete. It is sufficient to accomplish everything that it set out to do, and that is to seek and to save that which was lost. 
So Jesus Christ's love for you is that long that your sin in no way, shape, or form, whether past, present, or future, remembering that Christ died in what we know is the past, his sacrifice paid for your sin in full on that cross. And all the Old Testament saints were looking forward to that point where Jesus Christ came. And his sacrifice there paid the price for every believer, every saint before he came to earth and took on flesh. See, God has given us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And one more. This takes us to Psalm 103, uh, 6. Because not only is it long enough that nothing could ever separate us from it, it's long enough that sin cannot exhaust it. And third, it's long enough to span eternity itself. Psalm 103, 6 says, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. Or who are those that fear the Lord? Well, as we took a look last week, those that fear the Lord are those who have put their faith and trust in him. There are those who have not put their faith and trust in him, and there's no fear of God in their eyes. The ones who fear him are the ones who have experienced the breadth and length and height and depth of Christ's love for them. And see, you'll notice it says, the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. So, again, you need to think in infinite terms. We can't, you know, think back 100 years or 100 years forward without that causing complications. For me, it's like 10 minutes from now or what I did 10 minutes ago. But we're talking about from everlasting to everlasting, so time without end, which is a paradox itself. Because everlasting means as far back as you think you can think, it goes beyond that. That direction as well as this direction this way. Everlasting to everlasting. See, the length of Christ's love for us is long enough to span eternity itself because it is a steadfast love. It is a love that comes from the eternal God, and therefore his love is also eternal. Breadth, length, third, height. What is the height of Christ's love for us? This is going to take us to four different passages, two of which you'll remember because we've already looked at them in the book of Ephesians. But as we think about the height of Christ's love for us, the first is that it's high enough to exalt God in heaven. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 9, says, Therefore God has highly exalted him, speaking of Jesus, and bestowed on him, so on Jesus, the name that is above every name, so that, and there's that hint clause that we learned about, a couple, uh, that might have been last week, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So these few verses speak to how high Christ's love is for us. It actually reaches up into heaven itself to exalt God the Father. Because God the Father is the one who has highly exalted his Son, because his Son did exactly what he was supposed to do in obedience to what the God had decided before time itself that he would do in order to take and pay the price for our sin. 
And there's a day coming where whether you are a believer in Jesus Christ here today or not, you will bow your knee before the one who is worthy, before the one who was slain, before the one who is the Son of God, before the one who is the eternal one, because he is the one who showed a height of love that is so vast that it went up to the very heaven itself because his name is a name that every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So there is nowhere in creation itself, which everything outside of God is creation because he is alone is the creator. He is the eternal one. So everything is going to bow before the Son, either in willful, humble obedience because we love the vast love of Christ for us, or an antagonistic, hard-hearted, I'm never going to believe in God, individual will be forced to bow because they will be before the creator of all things. And I hope you're not the latter, but the one who understands and sees the height because it goes to heaven itself because it's to the glory of God the Father. Second, it's high enough for us to be children of God. That takes us to 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. Well, what kind of love is this? He says, And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is because it has, did not know Him. So this means that the love that you experience through Christ, a vast love that has breadth, length, height, and depth. The reason why we got rid of King James English, I think, you know, with the, 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 the thighs, the ifs. Breadth, length, height, and depth is because they understand and know the Creator God. Everyone who does not love does not know God. Remember from last week. It says, Beloved, verse 2, we are God's children now. So in other words, if you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are God's child right now. You've experienced the vast love of Christ right now. You are experiencing the vast love of Christ right now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. See, God's love through Christ for us is high enough for us to actually be called children of God and not children of this world. It transfers us out of one kingdom into another kingdom, a kingdom that is dark, a kingdom that loves self, a kingdom that elevates self that is dead in its trespasses and sins, that does not acknowledge the law of God and breaks the law of God given every opportunity to someone who's experienced translation into this, the, the kingdom of God. And they experience new life in Christ. And there's a day coming when we will see him as he is. And we'll be given a glorified body to enjoy without hindrance the love of God in a way that I honestly don't think that we quite fully understand. Paul's trying to help us 
because he's given us these, this dimensional language to help us begin to understand it. But I don't think until we are standing in glory and have the opportunity to look at the sun and see his hands, his feet, will that flood rush into our hearts, our souls, our minds in a very profound way for us to really see just how high this love is for us. Third, it's high enough to bless us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. That goes back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. I know that's a little while ago, uh, but that's why you have your Bible, so you can look back. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We have every spiritual blessing because of the love of Christ for us. It's so high that it gives us the blessings that are in heavenly places. The only way that we get up into heavenly places is because the Son has purchased us and qualified us to come into the very throne room of God and lift us up to be with God forever. That's why He is blessed, why the Father is blessed because it's high enough to bless us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And last, it's high enough to raise us to heaven itself. And that is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 6. It says, But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's all because of the love of Jesus. It's high enough to raise us to heaven itself. Breadth, length, height, lastly, depth. What is the depth of Christ's love for us? Well, first we're going to go to Philippians chapter 2. I think this one, as we think about the depth of Christ's love for us, will help us to see because this really speaks to us in our sinfulness and our need of a Savior. It's deep enough that the Son of God would die on the cross. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. It says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That is how deep the love of God through Christ is for you. So vast that has a scope that comes out of eternity itself because the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, who has no beginning and no end because He is eternal, would take on flesh, made Himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. See, that's how deep Christ's love is for you, is that He would take on flesh and we know how our flesh is. It's weak at best. The Son of God, the sinless Son of God, took on flesh 
He humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, which we know the cross is a symbol of shame. The cross was the Roman answer to anyone that would break the Roman law to put up a spectacle for them to be seen for what they were, those who broke Roman law deserving death because you obeyed Roman law. They made it as painful as they possibly could for the person to live as long as they possibly could in agony and up on a cross so that everyone could see as a reminder of that sacrifice. That is how deep Jesus' love is for you, that he would die on a cross. He didn't just die, he died on a cross. It's deep enough also to save the foremost sinner. And I love this one because this is Paul himself speaking. In his letter to, uh, to Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 12, he says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointed me to his service, though formerly I was, and here's his list of who he was prior to Christ saving him, I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. See, Christ's love is deep enough, even for someone who was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent. He goes on to say, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, which is exactly how everyone apart from Christ is. They are ignorant, foolish, in unbelief. They suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Verse 14, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. You want to know how deep Christ's love is for you? He can save the foremost sinner of all. Doesn't matter how much you have denied Christ. It doesn't matter how much you have taken the Lord's name in vain. doesn't matter how many sins or how many people you've hurt along the way. Christ's love is deep enough to save the foremost sinner. So in other words, whoever's the worst of the worst of the worst, that's how vast, that's how deep Christ's love is. It can save even the most unworthy, which is each and every one of us. We're all unworthy. It's also deep enough that he is able to save to the uttermost. Hebrews 7.25. Consequently, he is, speaking of Jesus Christ, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. See, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost, to the greatest, to the highest degree, completely, because his love for you is that deep. There's nothing left to chance. It's all by design. It's all based in the very love of God, from the God who is love, from the God who is eternal. So it is an infinite love that is deep enough to save to the uttermost. So no one can pluck us out of God's hand because God is above all. He is stronger than all because he is almighty. 
See, Jesus' love is deep enough that it can save to the uttermost. And lastly, it's deep enough to redeem those who are dead in their trespasses and sins. That takes us back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all, you should underline those words, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. You see, Christ's love is so deep, it is so profound, it is so vast, that even those that are dead in their trespasses and sins, which is each and every person apart from Christ, that we who lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, were by nature children of wrath, following the prince and the power of the air, which is Satan himself. Christ's love for you is that deep that it can save you out of that. Can take that which is dead and make it alive. So how should this inform our lives today? Well, do I need to say much more than to ask for a prayer to have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge? My prayer is that you're beginning to see this, you're beginning to embrace this and not take it for granted, to realize how privileged we are to know Christ to have his love, which is so vast, not only shower down upon us, but surround us and fill us. And so I'm going to close, and I told you I was going to do this throughout the three weeks, is I'm going to reference stanzas two through four of the song, Oh, the Deep, Deep Love of Jesus. And so as we close and prepare for our final song together this morning, listen to the words someone who's been redeemed, someone who wants to understand, to have the strength to comprehend with all the saints. He says, oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, none can tell the reason why. He descended from his glory, came to earth to bleed and die. I, a wrecked and ruined creature, sinful, helpless, all defiled, but the love of God in Jesus made me God's beloved child. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus spread his praise from shore to shore. How he loved, or loveth, ever loveth, changeth never, never more. How he watches over his loved ones, died to call them all his own. How for them he intercedeth, watcheth, over them from the throne. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, love of every love the best. Tis an ocean vast of blessing, tis a haven sweet of rest. Though polluted, sinful, wretched, yet he calleth me his own. He will lift me to the grandeur of his everlasting throne. So do you know the deep, deep love of Jesus today? 
Have you begun to understand the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of Christ's love for you? It is very vast. Don't take it for granted, but embrace it today. Let it be part of who you are today. May it define who you are today, and may it propel you into the world in which we find ourselves living, because remember, nothing can separate you from it. Let's bow for a closing word of prayer. Gracious Father, Lord, we thank you for these truths today. We thank you for this uh, geometric or dimensional language to help us begin to understand just how vast Christ's love for us is. That it has length and breadth and height and depth that can reach down into the hardest heart, the foremost of sinners, and redeem them so that they can be called children of God. Lord, my prayer here this morning is, is that each and every believer would, in a new way, in a new sense, humbly bow before the Lord of Lords, King of Kings, the one before whom every knee will bow, and just be thankful to know that God's grace through Christ has been shed upon us. Lord, too, I pray for those that maybe don't know Christ here this morning. Maybe they've lived their lives thinking that if they're just good enough, that possibly you would accept them. Well, Father, today they can know without a shadow of a doubt because you have shown us what true love does. And Lord, I pray for repentance. I pray for humility. I pray that they would be broken over their sin, that they would confess their sin to you, that they would ask your son to be their savior, the one who can redeem, who can take that which is dead and and bring life to it. And all of this to your glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.